You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Looking for the end zone. We'll get there. Welcome to Just Giants with Crump and the Cranky Fan, the worst goddamn podcast for the worst goddamn football team. I'm your host, Football Grump. With me is Cranky Fan. And uh, here we are. 0 2. Here we are. This was the. The worst case scenario has come true. You know, we tried to hope that the aggravation of the offensive line and the, the bad offensive last year would go away, even though nobody played together during the preseason. And we listened to the smoke blown up our ass by, you know, media and coaches and everything. And here's where we are an offense that can't do anything, a defense that's on the field for too long, questionable coaching, and we are now. Staring at the abyss. How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is the abyss, but it's not total darkness. Um, a lot of the talk during the game um, was that this was sort of, you know, is McAdoo on the hot seat in year two? You know, is Jerry Reese's job safe? Uh, you know, there's a lot of scrambling sort of talk going around here. Uh, let's let's not forget. I mean, this is this is like you said the worst case scenario, but it is only zero and two. Um, just last year, the Minnesota Vikings started off five and zero, and they looked unbeatable. And that team turned out to be a total sham. There is still time to turn this around. It, the window is closing, but let's not let's not go off a cliff here. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things. You know, obviously we were sitting next to Monday Night Giant Meathead fan. Is what we always end up doing, who you know demands that Reese be fired immediately, and McAdoo is a shithead coach, and he needs to go already. You know, the, the first thing is we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks, and maybe the rest of the season, if McAdoo really is a good coach or not. And my reasoning being for that is, is this just a guy that has a system, has a plan, and is going to stick with it come hell or high water, regardless of the personnel, regardless of the results? Or is he a coach that learns to adapt and adjust based on his personnel? Uh, you know, if this is, you know, if we're a team that's going to continue to try to, you know, not make the changes that are necessary on the offensive line, and I don't mean, you know, the Pavlovian, oh, we need to get rid of Eric Flowers because he sucks. No, we mean getting the guy some help because, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. He's the left tackle on this team. You can't trade for anybody now. You can't make any changes. He's your guy. So, you know, will we see changes? You know, more tight end help, more chipping help, more, you know, is the left guard going to help the left tackle more? Things like that. Or no, does he still think that his offense is his offense and he's going to run it until he's run out of town or something? So, you know, I, I don't think McAdoo's on a, in a hot seat just yet. You know, they're not going to fire him because we're 0-2 and the offense looks awful. But we're really going to see what he is as a coach because this is the first real – you know, even worse than last year, this is the first real stress he's going to have and, and issues. And, and one more thing about Jerry Reese, everybody's so quick to say fire him because he didn't address the offensive line. And we've gone back and forth at this, you know, on the podcast, in the seats last night, offline and everything. It's, are you going to throw the baby out with the bathwater with Jerry Reese? You know, they made a calculated gamble that the line they had would get better that Flowers would be better in the offseason and Bobby Hart would continue to improve and they'd get by it 
you know, right guard with John Jerry. Uh, no, it hasn't worked. But look at the whole body of work of what Jerry Reese has done. You know, the defense, worst defense in the league two years ago, one of the best last year. We're going to fire him because of that? So, you know, nothing's going to happen during the season with him regardless. You don't fire general managers. There's nothing a general manager can do between now and the end of the season. I mean, we are what we are. You know, if the mayor is one who is reevaluate the end of the season, the direction the team is going, that's one thing. But stop with the talk about, you know, fire Reese, Reese sucks, blah, 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 because it's irrelevant now. And you just you just sound like a raging lunatic at this point. I think the last thing you want is to be the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Um, and any team that fires a major cog in their piece where they, they fired their offensive coordinator two games in, that's free fall mode right there. That's panic overreaction. And it's a classic misstep. Um, I'm not defending their offensive coordinator or, you know, I don't know a whole lot about their team in general from an in-depth standpoint. I understand they were struggling, but that is full-fledged panic mode and we're not there. Yeah, I say, remember, Odell Beckham has played, you know, uh, only a handful of snaps in the first two games. He's clearly not 100% and we're clearly slowly bringing him along. So, again, without your major piece in your offense – from a production standpoint, in a way the defense will, you know, strategize itself. It looks really bad now, but you know, it's not something you're going to fire your GM about because of this early in the season. You know, a GM's job is not the same thing as being a fantasy owner. You don't just get to pick guys. It's not how it works. Um, Jerry Reese brought some guys in to try and acquire some offensive line talent. It was not completely ignored. Um, you know, the, the, there was a problem. You know, the last two years, there was a very small amount of tackles and guards on the market. And, you know, when that happens, then, you know, the price goes up. So, you know, they're dealing with a cap situation where, you know, you can't improve the entire roster through free agency. They put a lot of money on the defense because it needed it. But, you know, that being said, when you grade a GM's work year to year, you grade the overall growth in talent or you know depletion in talent and this is a team that over the last couple years has grown in talent uh it's hindered because the offensive line is being stunted but you know this is where we are and like you said it was a calculated risk staying with the offensive line but it was also calculated in the in the fact that well it's like well are we going to make an attempt to overspend for a tackle and then not have any money to re-sign jpp no that's a bad trade um, you know, it it was it might have been the right risk given the circumstances at the time, and who's to say that the Giants wouldn't have drafted, you know, say Garrett Bowles had he fell to them? There's nothing you can do about that, you know. And here's and here's the other thing also you got to remember is that Jerry Reese isn't working in a bubble, and the mayors are just off in some cave somewhere and they check in once a year. You know, I am pretty positive that the general manager does have regular reports to the ownership and say, you know. This is my plan for the offseason. And, and the mayors aren't a hands-off ownership that doesn't know anything about football. I mean, they've been – the Giants have been in their blood now for 80 years. They know what's going on. They know you know, what the plan is for Jerry Reese. So you know, when it was communicated that we are going to you know, keep the offensive line pretty much as is, we're not going to make the major, major investments in it, they've had to sign off on that too. So if the results don't happen, don't think this is something where – Reese went rogue, and they're like, what the hell happened to the offensive line? 
So let's keep that in mind too. Yeah, and and let's keep in mind that you know everything you said is one hundred percent correct. They're they're fully in communication. You know, I would say week to week, and don't forget that right now, this is the season for us. This is where all the work is. You know, you see the fruition of your work as a GM for the most part. But this is also the in the trenches work for scouts. You know, Saturdays is work day for this GM. He's getting reports from the scouts. Mark Ross is heavily involved, and they're looking at next year's draft. Um, this is a full year job. So this plan is set in motion like a chess game. This is not a the, – the fans' reaction to try and address problems right now is not the way the GM does his job. It's not how he can do his job. So that's something to keep in mind. There's no, there's no win button, you know, and, for this. And unfortunately, you know, because of the, the starting quarterback is 37, 38 years old, the fan thinks that this is a win now situation with the Giants because while we still have Eli, we need to win now. But the way this roster is built and is being built, this is not a win in 2017 or bust roster. So keep that in mind too, and keep in mind that you know we can't get a clear picture based on how bad the offensive line is, the lack of a running game, Beckham being hurt, blah 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 blah. Eli is not what Eli was two three years ago, and that decline might be happening already. So we're really in a weird transition now. So it's something we just have to kind of keep in mind. And, and last point about you know trying to get the offensive line is. A lot of people keep forgetting this is a salary cap league. We can't just all of a sudden make trades for the Joe Thomases are not even on the market. You know, that would wreck our cap. We can't just go out and get guys like we're not the Yankees where, oh, we're just going to prey on a Kansas City or Tampa Bay, you know, to, to, to pick their assets out. So you have to remember these things when you're making foolish statements like, oh, I don't understand why we didn't get Joe Thomas right now. We just have to deal with it, and and believe me, I sound calm really right now. But I'm pissed. I'm super pissed. What uh, you know, you know, we we did we did a bit of a segment last week, um, on Friday, on the Monday night crowd, right? And you and I, you know, I say this all the time. Uh, the Monday night crowd is full of you know not your normal guys, and tickets are sold because it's a difficult game to get to. But that crowd did show up today that last night. That that first quarter, that was a loud start for a Monday night, as far as I remember. Um, you know, the, the, the crowd was there and ready to cheer for a team that went eleven and five last year, and was ready to forgive a dismal showing last week. And yeah, the, you know what? The team that I saw last night does not deserve the crowd that showed up last night. That team that showed up doesn't deserve you know a Super Bowl winning quarterback. It doesn't deserve a top five defense. It doesn't deserve Odell Beckham. The team that went out there was pathetic. That was sad. Well, I'm going to counterpoint you for a second. I didn't see lack of effort on this team. You know, even even Brandon Marshall, who caught a lot of shit from the crowd for the drop pass and stuff. These guys are, are – this is not week 16 where these guys have given up. I just think there's just some serious talent and miscommunication issues going on with the offensive line and, you know, a defense that isn't picking up the offense when it needs help and things. I don't think it's because of effort. So to say they don't deserve the crowd – it's a little harsh. It's just it's you know, it's it's just it's a tough pill to swallow, you know. The team did go eleven and five, make the playoffs last year, but you know, this offense has sucked for a long time. And, you know, we're at the eighth game in a the row, they haven't scored twenty points. The the problems on the offensive line and the problems with the offense, the lack of a running game, 
that's going to be there. We know that's we know, we know it is what it is. But will other phases of the game, will the defense, will special teams, will coaching, will that all kind of help this offense? You know, knowing it's a weak link, and we really didn't see any of that yesterday. Not very special much. teams. Special teams failed. I mean, a punt return in that spot was the worst thing ever. You know, if anything, it probably helped people leave the stadium early and help with traffic. Uh, the defense atrocious on third down atrocious could not get off the field whether it was third and one or third and ten early in the game and that that led to as much of them being on the field as long as they were as, as much as a lack of offense all right well, well you know? let's get into the game a little bit here since you, you yeah, kind of touched it. on all three phases there we'll start real quick with the injuries if you what do you want to start with offense or do you want to start with defense Let's start with the offense. All there right. it is. All right. So the offense, um, there were a couple game time surprises, uh, but the biggest one, uh, Beckham was active for the game. He looked good in warmups and he played some snaps. And as I predicted when I found out the news was that they were going to keep him limited. You know, this is still week two. I know it's hard to remember because teams that are two and zero right now feel like Super Bowl champions, and teams like us that are zero and two feel like we're drafting first. Um, but it is week two, and they're keeping Beckham for the long haul. What's the point of having a star if you're just, you know, if he's not at 100% the whole year? So he played in a limited fashion. Uh, the other big one is Bobby Hart, after two snaps, re injured his ankle and was downgraded to out almost immediately. He was questionable. He was a game time decision. What did you think of the offensive line shuffle that was a result of it? So, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I, the one star that I have from the offense, the one guy who I really felt played well almost the entire game, you know, no one's going to play a perfect game, but pretty close, was Justin Pugh. So, Justin Pugh is a guy who was drafted in the first round, was not well received by Giants fans. They felt he was a reach. He played right tackle where he was booed pretty much from the moment he was on the team. They moved him to left guard. People were calling for him to get cut. Suddenly, fans liked him. <laughs> and then Sounds familiar. <laughs> last, last night was, was forced to play right tackle, which to me, this was the only move you can make. If any one of the tackles go down, it has to be Justin Pugh going out there. And I, I've said that a couple times. But in any case, I'm digressing. Justin Pugh moved to right tackle, and suddenly some of the, the woes from the right side were dampered pretty quickly brett jones popped in at left guard which is the spot where we didn't see much of him in preseason but he fared well enough um certainly not starting caliber but you know as far as a guy who comes in at a pinch he played pretty well yeah i mean if you have guys who are on the bench who are starting quality you know that's pretty rare in this league yeah most guys don't even most teams don't even have starting quality across their their front five anyway so um yeah the, it was the jet preseason game where he came in at right guard where everybody was raving about you know all of a sudden there was some cohesion in the offensive line and everything so to see him you know play left guard and think he's a guy that can really we can plug into three positions right now that's really going to help us yeah i mean to their credit my big complaint last week is that the the offense didn't stretch the field till the second half, and that's when they finally started, you know, moving the chains. This offense did try and stretch the field pretty early, um, not right away, but you know, in the first quarter certainly, um, and that helped because, you know, I mean, that's the strength of this team, or you know, wide receivers. So um, there was that. But overall, for the night, Eli got pummeled. Um, he took five sacks, many, many more hits than that. Um, yeah, I don't think the I don't think the play calling was terrible. I just think you know, is there's that one or two times where all of a sudden it's like a second and nine, and you see the draw or something. People just get at this point, everybody's conditioned just to be pissed off when they see a run play. Yeah, 
you know, especially a run on a a second and long or, or, or something. So, I mean, you can only do so much with the talent you have and, and the way things are working or not. And, you know, you can't just go to Eli dropping back 65 times and throwing every single every single play. You know, you have to try to run at some point. Absolutely. So I, I, I just wasn't really thinking that the, the play calling was that terrible. Now, one thing that this will lead to a discussion will be, should Ben McAdoo still be calling the plays? I'm not trying to say the play calling was bad last night. What I'm saying it was I don't think it was good last week. You know, my two big criticisms were they gave up on the run uh, last week. I think there were only something like 10 carries. That's pathetic. Um, and they didn't throw the ball downfield until the second half. In this game, they did not give up on the run throughout the whole game, and you know the fans don't like it, but it was necessary because it also helped when they stretched the field. Uh, as far as Ben McAdoo's play calling duties, you know I think the biggest problem is that it's a lot to be able to do that, and he's a second-year head coach with a team that has some serious problems on offense, and uh, in the in the close of the first half where uh you know we didn't use any of our timeouts and that was puzzling too yeah that was i i've seen it so much around the league lately and in, in college as well just the bad clock management you know they're all andy reed specials where these guys just you know I, they hold on to these these timeouts especially in the first half like the, they don't co- carry over in the second half there's no reason to not use them if, if you got them so it's very puzzling and you're right maybe that might be something where you know, and it's an, it's a logical question to ask. You know, calling plays and thinking about play calling is taking away from his other responsibilities as a head coach during a game. So, it might be something that does have to be. And he did say in his press conference today he would look into that as well. Like no decisions made or anything, but he will evaluate everything, including his responsibilities as calling plays. So, yeah, uh, it may be that it's too much for him. I. My bigger issue is I feel like there's a problem with the scheme, which is what you were saying earlier. Um, you know, I understand that this is a scheme that's designed to exploit weapons and mismatches. You have a serious problem at left tackle, and you know I'm not going to defend Eric Flowers. Um, what he did last night was was poor quality play. It was it was a ruiner for the game. What I am going to say is, for a guy who's not good and the whole world knows it, he sure isn't getting a lot of help out there. I don't understand why there's not a single chip to help him out so he can anchor his base and not have to worry about the guy running around him because he knows he's got a running back who's going to chip him back and you know keep the defensive end running just inside. I don't get it. Um, you know, I think there's a real problem with the scheme just being the scheme and this is how it goes and this is why it works and... You know, sometimes it doesn't work if your left tackle is not very good, you know? Yeah. yeah. Left tackle is your anchor. He's your most important guy. And I don't know if it's just a stubbornness that they feel that, you know, he's going to work it out. He'll figure it out, you know, or or what. But it's not working. And the the last thing in the world we want to have happen is Eli go down with an injury, taking a a shot. He took some shots yesterday. There was one, you know, we all know which play it was. And to me, it was a borderline penalty. But – He's a 38-year-old guy. He's not going to get up from every one of those. And if his season, if he's out for three, four weeks or out for the year, you can forget it. Yeah. This is a pretty rough hit uh, he took right to the face. And I agree with you. Uh, I th- live, I thought it was a penalty. In slow motion, I definitely think it's a penalty. I don't even think it's close. I mean, whether or not I agree with the rule that any hit to the face of a quarterback is you know, a penalty, that's sort of immaterial. But what, what that was was actually helmet-to-helmet contact full-on 
with Eli's face. So um, that definitely, by the letter of the rule, should have been a, a penalty. Um, in the end, it was a completion somehow to Sterling Shepard for something like 27 yards. So that, I don't know. Would that have gotten tacked on at the end? Probably, right, as a personal foul? Or would it have oh, yeah. to be a choose between the first down? And oh, no, no, no. Personal foul, they add 15 yards onto yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that probably could have resulted in points sort of immaterial. But, but you know, in regards to your point, Eli cannot keep taking shots like that. Nobody can. A young guy can't keep taking shots like that. And you're expecting a 38-year-old guy to go 16, 14 more games taking hits like that. It's just not going to happen. And and Eli had a bad game. Um his stats don't really show how bad it was, but there were times where he was taking sacks, you know, he was he was taking hits, and then as a result, I think sometimes was overcompensating for his trigger-happy arm and was holding onto the ball far too long, where he was getting sacked after being in the pocket for four seconds where he's, his internal clock has to know. Grump, if it's third and 11 and you complete a six-yard pass, that all looks good in your stats. It's a completion. It's, you know, yards per, care, per throw, everything. Your efficiency goes up to it. But that doesn't mean that's a good play. <laughs> so yeah, no, no. stats are very stats can be very deceiving, especially the way this offense is currently constructed with the, with the quick two step drops and you know the, the short passes and everything. Yeah, um, anybody who watched the game could have seen that Eli did not have his best game. Uh, he also threw a really bad pick um, that you know wasn't entirely on him, but I mean in terms of the timing of it. It was right after the defense forced a turnover. Uh, he threw a, a a ball high and behind Evan Ingram. Uh, that was tipped by Ingram and then the defender and then into another defender's arms. I mean, it's sort of unlucky, but still, it's just, you know, it's Eli. We had a a pretty good debate about that play at at the stadium last night, whether, you know, and you guys who are listening to us can kind of debate about it and, you know, tweet us and everything about it. My take was, you know, ever since Beckham came into the league and made that amazing one-handed catch that a lot of receivers – that's part of their arsenal now. And, you know, the one-handed catch and they're trying to get on Sports Center, be a top 10 play and everything. And to me, they're too quick to go to the one hand instead of try to still catch that with two hands. Yes, it was a shitty pass. It was behind him. But I think 10 years ago, a receiver still tries to catch that ball with two hands and a better, maybe a better chance to catch it. And, you know, Grump vehemently disagreed with me about I, that. I, yeah, but, I, I, think, I think his one hand up was a reaction just, you know – he turned around and it was so far behind him. He was surprised and just threw an arm up. You know, it's it's a reactionary thing. Uh, I also think that had he done that or not, it still would have been intercepted. It was so far behind him and there were two defenders around him. Um, oh yeah, we're making we're making no excuses for Eli. No, that no, was no, a no. bad pass. Right, right. Yeah. I understand. That. Yeah, I, I also think that the notion that he was attempting to make a circus catch to make a highlight reel catch was is misguided. Also, I think I think like. <laughs> Like I said before, it's just a reaction thing. I think uh, he expected the ball in front of him. It was behind him, and he kind of contorted his body and twisted. And, you know, you can only get one arm when it's that far behind you. you there's no way you're going to get both arms back. That's my take on it. Either way, I do agree with Cranky Pin that that's sort of become every player's arsenal. They all think that they can do that because I'm sure they can when there's no defenders around them and it's just practice and it doesn't matter. Um, right. And I agree with that notion. I don't think it applies here is what I'm saying. Um, regardless, uh, Evan Ingram had a mixed bag of a game also. Uh, he had a, his touchdown pass was brilliant. Um, it was also brilliant play design. I rewatched it. He, he motioned in as the fullback and just sort of blew through the middle line of scrimmage. And you could see all three linebackers react to it way too late because he's just too fast. So he sort of blew 
through the middle. I think between the B gap, between the guard and tackle, and then just is that? The I'm sorry, is that the type of play we would see uh, Red Ellison normally lining up in? Because we we heard he that kind of lines up as a fullback sometimes. He's you know all over the place. I think so. Yeah, probably. I was a little, yeah, I was a little surprised to see. Um, I think I think in the, in the case of Red Ellison, instead of running a seam route through that from that spot, he'd be running more of an in or an out route, like an option route. Like he'd kind of go up about five yards and then kind of whichever way the defense is spread out, he'll kind of either decide to go in or decide to go out. Um, but for, for Ingram, because of his speed, I think the play is always going to be just run the seam. And you could see that the the two safeties were split left and right. All three linebackers just kind of turned and ran, and they were – if you rewatch the play, there's almost not a defender in sight when he makes the catch. Um, and that was brilliant. Then he had a stupid – a touchdown celebration penalty, which is actually at this point a difficult thing to get, which is pathetic, which led to a kickoff from the 20-yard line that went out of bounds. So it gave the Lions great field position, which the defense managed to hold, and we'll get to how good and bad the defense played last week. But uh, yeah. JPP forced a fumble, and then the very next play, Eli went to Ingram again in interception. So I'm going to put that entire thing mostly goes on Ingram, even though it was a bad yeah, pass by Eli. These jackasses have to realize there's two things you cannot do. You'll get a penalty every single time. The cutthroat and the crotch grab. I mean, it's just... And for your I first career touchdown, I, I, I think he's going to be a stud in this league based on everything I saw last night. But let's let's get there first before you start doing stuff that's... Yeah, I, I realize that Beckham has you know, raised the bar on this team for being a show-off and a fool and, you know... That's not what you want to see from your rookie, you know, tight end slash wide receivers and acting the same jackassian way. And, you know, that's something that needs to be nipped in the bud immediately yeah. by this coaching staff. Because, again, how many times you've ever seen the result of a kickoff, you know, without a run back, the ball, the team starting in, in your own field the other side, of the, the yeah. other, other side of the 50. They flipped the field without having to do anything. In fact, all they did on that was – not touch a kickoff and allow a touchdown to happen. That's all the Lions did, and they were granted field position in the giant zone. That's pathetic. Um, some of that blame is going to go on Aldrich Rosas too. I mean, you have—I understand that you're kicking from your twenty, but the last thing you can do is kick it out of bounds. And that's especially in that situation too. It's yeah. just unacceptable. Um, but you know, we're talking rookie and rookie, so you know these are things that these are growing pains you're going to get. With, with guys like that, um, I don't want to abandon the offense without mentioning that Eric Flowers was not the only one on the offensive line that had a bad game. I will say that he did not have a penalty in this game, not one, and I think he only had one last week. So if we're talking improvement from year to year, that was a big emphasis that you had was that it was always the backbreaking holding at the wrong time. Um, maybe we were seeing that eliminated from his game. I don't know. Trying to look on the bright side, it's not an excuse. Baby steps, baby steps. But John Jerry did not have a great game either. Uh, Weston Richburg was not phenomenal. Uh, Eli was getting pressure from all sides for the most part. Uh, Justin Pugh held up pretty well. And, uh, you know, Brett Jones was iffy, but, you know, that's what you expect from the guy who comes in. He shouldn't be – he should be the weakest link, the guy off the bench. Uh, he was not. Of course. He was not at all. If you can't start on this shitty offensive line, you're back there for a purpose. And, you know, again, there's nothing we can do about it now. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no offensive lineman on the street waiting to come in and start in the National Football League. So we just have to make do with what we have. 
And before we need guys like him before to start dipping into the practice squad and bringing up, you know, rookies that are Those not are ready scrubs, to play in this yeah. league. That's when we're really screwed. Yeah, so. I'm going to nip this in the bud right now. Putting Chad Wheeler in at either tackle position is a disaster. Oh, not with Eli in the game ever. Yeah. Um, right. I think it's important that we talk about Brandon Marshall a little bit. Uh, he got a little bit more involved. He had a big catch in the red zone that he failed to push into the end zone. I haven't rewatched that to see if that was really within his grasp, but live I really felt like he could have tried a little bit harder to get in the end zone. Um, he's going to be – yeah. he's going to be the public whipping boy. If Eric Flowers is one, he's going to be 1A because mi- dropping that one pass and then, and then this stuff, you could just see it's going to get ugly really quickly. He has a history of being a prick. He has a history of, of speaking out. And you know, if this season starts to spiral out of control – it may not even be until October before he starts, you know, with the uh, becoming a problem on this team. So something to very watch out really carefully with. Yeah, um, the defense held all right. Um, their biggest problem was getting off the field in third downs, and it's it's a growing issue, and it's one that also got worse as the game went on, which is partly due to the offense not staying on the field. Um. Yeah. This game seemed to me more like it was their own fault they were on the field longer than the fact the offense was just three now, three now, three now. Early on, early on, yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's – it seems like the mileage in those first 15 to 20 minutes really takes a toll later on. And to me, I think it was 10 minutes to five, I think, was time possession in the first quarter. And most of that was just through the the defense, like you said, couldn't get off the field. You know, it wasn't they're getting first downs on like this – on second down. It was third and long. It was third and short. And it just prolongs it and just prolongs it. Yeah. Um, important things to mention. Uh, the, the defense was missing uh, Janoris Jenkins, B.J. Goodson, Keenan Robinson. You know, the Jenkins one I think was a real surprise for a lot of people. I know he showed up on the injury report a little bit late this week, but uh, I don't think anyone it wasn't really, like that. And it wasn't really even specified. It was like, well, he's had hand injury issues and stuff. It was just like, it's like, like a, a combination of different things that were ailing him. And then all of a sudden – when he announced he was inactive, it was like, whoa, that's that's not good. Yeah. And B.J. Goodson also. I don't think we really expected that. But there were a lot of good things. I mean, you know, last week they didn't really do a whole lot on defense that that I was happy about. I mean, they struggled to get off the field. They didn't produce a turnover. This week we had three sacks. Um, there was a turnover. And, and, and I rewatched this play. JPP's sack of Matthew Stafford was an absolute beast of a play. I mean, he absolutely mauled the right tackle right into Matt Stafford. And it was only like a three-step drop. I mean, it was a quick – he was in the backfield fast, and he just destroyed Stafford on the play, forcing a fumble that went flying up in the air and was recovered by Devon Kennard. Um, It seemed like for for two and a half quarters that – Stafford was running for his life quite a bit as well. Yeah. You know, Um, it's like – And that was sort of the issue was – the defense was getting pressure, but they sort of lost contain on Stafford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what to attribute on that because, like I said, um, B.J. Goodson was out. So I don't know how much the middle linebacker would be involved in keeping Stafford from getting too far outside of the pocket. And for a while, he was their leading rusher because of a big he's, gainer. He's pretty crafty, Stafford. I mean, you know, he's a, you know, he's in the prime of his career now. You know, he's he's pretty smart and. That's going to happen for guys like him, you know. That being said, Calvin Munson, a guy who I'll, I'll take the fall on this. I did not think deserved to be on this roster. Stepped right in for BJ Goodson and played a hell of a game. I give him a star for this week. You couldn't even tell that BJ Goodson was 
I mean, I have to rewatch the tape to really say this, but from what it felt like in the stands, it didn't even seem like we were missing our starting linebacker. He even had a sack. Um, I, you know, can't say enough about how good Calvin Munson played. Uh, JPP also, I think, had a had a pretty pretty big game against the run and passing game. And DRC also shut down Golden Tate for the most part. I mean, if you look at the numbers, Matt Stafford didn't have a great day. And again, you, you know, he said it earlier, whatever. You can't, the stats don't mean everything. But I mean, 15 of 21 for 122 yards. I mean, that's... Yeah. that's but they were very, very efficient on third down. They were very efficient. And we did a bad job flipping the field, you know? Yeah. They didn't have long fields to have to deal with. Um, well, that's going to happen. That's going to happen when you have no offense and a team that can't stop even third down all of a sudden, you know, when they are punting, it's not punting from the, the 19 yard line. Now they're punting from the 40. That's a big, big difference. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at the defensive numbers, uh, you know, Amir Abdullah had 86 yards on the ground, um, which was complemented by 20 yards from theoretic. So roughly a hundred yards, you know, that's, that's about average for a team. And I mean, mm-hmm. look at the, I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off the receiving yards by person here 42 yards 27 yards 25 yards 17 yards that's it i mean we took the the long ball was completely taken away from this team um and golden tate was held to just four catches for 25 yards his longest was seven and i'm gonna attribute that to steve spagnolo and drc who i thought played a very good game quiet and effective in his defense is solid i mean this defense is going to save this team from being two and 14 this year so, you know, I, I expect to see, you know, performances like this, you know, a baseline of this type of job. Disappointed again with the getting not getting off the field at third down. And, you know, even like a second and nine, it was like one or two times they, they got a first down off of as well. So, you know. And again, this defense is going to benefit from playing with a lead, which they have yet to do. That's true. I don't know. This, this was a stinker, and uh, it's looking pretty dismal and pretty grim. Let's not forget that there's still a season to be played. There's still reason to be excited about this year. Um, oh, so we are going to show up Friday and do our uh, yeah. our week three preview, huh? That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So uh, we'll give you the full rundown on what our thoughts are against the Eagles, you know, um, injury updates as they come. It's a short week for the Giants, which really sucks because, you know, that might be why Jenkins and Goodson were held out. And it's certainly why Beckham was with, was limited, but yeah, we'll we'll give you updates as we get them for Friday morning, and uh, we'll see you then. We'll go over a preview. You know, if if we get any uh, any news that's worth commenting on between podcasts, I'll certainly shout it out on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, and when it comes to game time, I will be tweeting. So you can follow my tweets there, my thoughts, reactions to the game. Um, if you're looking for broadcast information or how to find our podcast, if you're already on Twitter, I guess, it's at uh, Just Giants Pod where you can find all our broadcast information. And you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. You know, be sure and subscribe to us, download each episode. Be so kind and give us a five star rating and a very kind complimentary review, whether you believe it or not. The more we get, the higher we show up in the uh, search algorithms of both and the more people that listen the more we can talk to and interact with you guys on social media and maybe god forbid a sponsor to pay for all this so wouldn't that be fun grump yeah that'd be, i mean you know to get paid the bitch yeah <laughs> could pay for uh all the the jamesons <laughs> i'm gonna need to down for this season
Jameson. Stock up now, uh, Jameson Barr. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Keep the faith. Go Giants. Go Giants.